Where do you go when the cupboard is bare? When the diagnosis is chronic or worse, terminal? Or the letter in your mailbox says, claim denied, and your bank account says, insufficient funds? What do you do when you feel like you have run out of options? Take heart, because God's got your back. Stay tuned for this week's podcast, because today, Kent, Vicki, and Nathan will share from the book of James how God steps up for us when no one else can. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman conclude their discussion through the book of James by looking at James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20 as we join their discussion. America is enduring a terrible pandemic. As of the end of November, 11 million Americans have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Over 250,000, a quarter of a million people have died. 73,000 are hospitalized. And we're not alone. Worldwide, over 55 million cases have been reported, with 1.3 million having passed away. And today, as you're listening, my fear is that the numbers are still even worse. I can't imagine the suffering and sorrow that these statistics represent. The countless widows, widowers, and orphans that find themselves adrift and alone. The only thing that's worse than being sick is being sick and broke. When the President of the United States was diagnosed with COVID-19, they rushed him by helicopter to one of America's best hospitals where a team of highly skilled doctors gave him access to the best medical care in the world. He had tests, medication, everything he needed. But what about those who don't have money to buy health care? Over 43% of working age adults in America today have inadequate health insurance. And while my heart breaks for them, imagine what it must be like for our Crosstalk Global students in countries like Kenya and India. What will they do? How can they survive without the funds to pay for medical care? Nathan, Vicki, can you imagine what it would be like to be in their situation? No, I, I've been sick before and just needed somebody to help me and fortunately yeah. got the help. Mm. And right now my mother just suddenly got struck blind Oh. And I can't go be with her. We we can pay for her care, but right. to to not to not be able to get well, to not have the funds, to not have enough money, what a what a frustration! Yeah. I, I I have no idea what that's like. No, I, I I've had a few moments in life where we just were behind on bills or weren't able to pay a debt and that was an incredibly stressful time but but there were answers and there were resources we could go to but but what if there were no resources and if what the, what if there wasn't another paycheck coming I, I I can't imagine yeah 
the anxiety would feel as a husband, as a, uh, a father, um, to see someone you love and not have the resources to provide. Mm. So what do we do as Christians? What do we do when we don't have the resources, the financial resources we need to meet medical emergencies? Well, one of the things we can do fortunately as Christians is we can turn to the family of God. Uh, we can go to the church. I am amazed at the generosity that the churches have displayed from day one for those who are in need. In Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32, we read that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Imagine that. I mean, really imagine that. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And the church is just a couple of weeks old. I mean, Pentecost just happened. And God made such an enormous change in people's lives that they responded with a, an act of selfless generosity because we're family. So a good church, a healthy church, wherever possible, will help those among them who have that significant need. But as an adopted child of the King of Kings, not only is the local church a resource for us, but we have the right to approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we can go directly to the Lord and ask him for his help. We may not always have money, but we will always have a heavenly father who is there to help us in our time of need. And that's what James is talking about to these early Christians. He says, is any of you in trouble? He should pray. In James chapter 5, 13, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if he has sinned, and he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. James is telling us, he's telling these refugee Christians, the 12 tribes that he's addressing this letter to that we have seen through the various weeks. He's telling these people who have left physical family behind, who in many cases have left all their assets behind as they've run for their life, away from those who are persecuting them. Those, as we've seen in the latter part of James, who have um, been suffering with bad workplace environments, bosses who are arrogant and not paying them what they deserve to be paid. They're struggling in every way, and now they find themselves without health care. He says to them, God's got their back. Is any of you in trouble? 
he should pray. Call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer and faith will make the sick person well. I mean, I guess that shouldn't really surprise us, should it? Because there are reports in the Bible of God healing people, right? I mean, without going to the emergency department or pulling out their insurance card. Yeah, um, I think about the guy who was lowered down by his friends from the roof yeah, because the he was unable to walk. Mm, um, yeah. The guy who Jesus put mud on his eyes and he could yeah. see, although he didn't, he didn't, I think it was a guy he didn't just see. He, it was a slow process. Uh, Jesus was always healing people. Yeah. Lots of examples in the Bible. Lazarus. <laughs> like the ultimate healing. Yeah. Peter's mother-in-law. Although you kind of wonder, was Peter happy that his mother-in-law got healed? Well, she started <laughs> making them food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Lazarus. I mean, think about Lazarus. It wasn't just a resuscitation. It was literally a recreation of the guy's body. He'd been gone yeah. four days, right? So yeah. that's that's dramatic healing. I think of that's Elijah. Dramatic healing. Who actually lay down on the corpse of the boy who died mm. and um, brought the brought the boy back to life. But those those stories are from long ago and far away. I mean, we, you know, I heard about those in Sunday school, but. But do they happen today? I mean, have you ever seen God heal people today? Yeah, I've certainly seen God heal people. Uh, I've seen him not heal people as well, but I, I can remember a couple of uh, stories where the elders were asked to go to uh, a man's house and anoint him with oil and pray for him. And, and we prayed for him. He went in to have uh, cancer removed. The doctors said they opened up the area where the cancer was, they didn't even touch it, and the cancer just opened itself and fell off. And uh, when he came to, he said, I don't know who you have praying for you, but have him keep praying. I've never seen that in medical history. And uh, yeah, it was an incredible moment. And then there was uh, another case where we had a, a woman um, from the church ask us, a few of the elders, to come to her hospital room, and we came, prayed with her, anointed her with oil. The doctors were pretty certain uh, that an infection in her legs uh, was going to cause her to have um, a double amputation of the legs. Hmm. Um, after we prayed, uh, almost, I think it was the next day, she went for the MRI to confirm what they knew to be true, that the bones were infected and there was no other option. They couldn't find any infection in the bones. Wow. Still has her leg to this day. Wow. I, a number of years ago, was... Um, doing some preaching in Southern India. I was mm. invited to come to this denomination, rapidly growing. Um, I was their first Western speaker they'd ever had. They told me, I don't know, I couldn't count the people, but they told me they estimated 100,000 people were there for this week of meetings. Wow. Uh, just an amazing crowd. And these were all diehard Hindus who were coming to Christ. In fact, it caused such an uproar in the town where we were meeting that uh, the government officials came together to see if there was a way they could stop it. And they came to see if my papers were in order. And I wonder if I was gonna be like Paul and kicked out of Ephesus. I didn't wonder what was gonna happen. Um, I wasn't kicked out and the papers were in order. We continued. And, but I was amazed at how many people were coming to Christ. And I kept asking person after person after person, how did you come from Hinduism 
to be a follower of Jesus. And they said again and again that there was a person in their family who had been very ill, perhaps with a cancer, uh, perhaps with some kind of blood disease that they didn't even know what the disease was, but they prayed. They asked a Christian to come and pray for them, and the person did and explained the grace of God, and God touched their bodies, and they were healed again and again. There were demon possessions that were uh, that were, people were healed from. There mm. were um, there were even people who had literally been raised from the dead. Mm. Um, wow! So it doesn't happen all the time, and there's no guarantee, of course, that uh, everyone is always healed. But it certainly says that we have a resource. And uh, James is not kidding when he's giving instructions for how low-income Christians can cope with serious illness. And one of the things they can do is go to the church and ask the elders to pray for them. And when they're anointed with oil, I don't believe that oil is anything magical. It doesn't have to come from Jerusalem, from olive trees or something. But it's simply a sign that the Holy Spirit, this is divine healing, not the elders healing, but that God, one of God's many good gifts is that uh, he longs for us to come to him and ask that he would help his children in their time of need. And God loves to give good gifts. But it's worth keeping in mind that there is, uh, well, is there a bit of a catch? Well, something we at least we need to be aware of. Because he says that while he freely provides for the needs of his children, did you notice in verse 16 he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Hmm. And then he says again in verse 19, My brothers, if any of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from error, of the error of his way, will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What do you think he's saying there? Why does he why is he connected if you want God to touch you physically you need to confess your sins one to another any idea I don't know the answer to that but in that passage where he's talking about healing he he says confess your sins one to the to another it's the prayer of the righteous man read that Ken I'm not therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. If the prayer is answered because a person is righteous, they have to be righteous with man and they have to be right with God. And so I think there's something cleansing about confessing sin. Yes. Yeah, there is. Amen. C.S. Lewis helped me get some perspective on this when he wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain that pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Mm. I think there are times when we become comfortable with our sin, where we realize something is not right with God or right with each other, with another person, but we're willing to live with it. And I think God in his grace and in his mercy sometimes brings illness into our life. That's his megaphone to get our attention. We can't ignore the pain, 
And don't we all, in times of great illness, cry out to the Lord? Absolutely. And when we do, I think our prayer should be, search me, O God, and see if there is any wicked way in me. Is this, is this illness your megaphone to get my attention? To say that there's things that I have been ignoring, pushing aside, that I need to have dealt with. Do I need to confess that sin? And keep in mind here, this is a radical call. One that I don't see a lot of people always implementing. Uh, it's not just in your quiet room, breathe, breathe a silent prayer to an invisible God and everything's fine. It means if our sin has involved other people, we need to go and make it right with them. We need to confess our sins one to another to make things right the best that we possibly can. I think when we do that, we take sin much more seriously. The illness gets our attention. Going to others helps us make sure that we don't recommit that sin. On a secular level, I think that's why the 12 Steps program is so effective. Because a drunk will have to go to the people that he, has, he or she has hurt and tell them how he has, she has hurt them. And that keeps them from repeating that sin. God is more concerned about our sin than he is with the pain we may be feeling while we're in bed. So Nathan, I've alluded to it, but how do you know that James here is not promising that everyone who asks for healing and has confessed all known sin, all known sin will be healed? Well, all the apostles died. So <laughs> I think that's pretty that's good true. evidence right there. Uh, <laughs> Hebrews 9.27 says, uh, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Uh, and we know that, that everyone passes away. It's, it's, uh, it's eventually going to happen. And not everyone who asks for healing will be healed, even after they've confessed known sin. Uh, it's just simply not the case. Uh, we know many, many uh, wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord. Johnny Erickson Sada comes to, to mind immediately, who are incredibly God, godly people, mm -hmm. and they've prayed for healing, and, and God has said no. And I think of the story in John chapter 9, where uh, the blind man was there and, and everyone's asking Jesus, oh, is he blind because of his parents' sin or because of his own? And mm -hmm. Jesus says, neither. It's so the glory of God may be shown. Yeah. And, and sometimes in our suffering, God shows uh, his glory. In his uh, suffering servants, I had met this uh, Christian man a number of years ago. His name was Nick Vucek, born without any arms or any legs. Mm -hmm. And he said, I fully believe God could heal me immediately if he wanted to. And, and we could videotape it and we could see it. He said, but you know what? Even if we had HD cameras and people videotaped God regrowing my arms and legs, there would be people who would say, oh, that's a fake. Oh, that's not true. We could have medical data. People wouldn't believe it. He said, but you know what? I have joy. There's nothing good about me not having legs and feet. There's nothing good about mm -hmm. it. And yet I have this inexplicable joy and that can only come from God. You can't explain that away. Amen. He saw his injury as a, uh, a, an opportunity to give glory to God in heaven. And you know what? I'm going to go back on what I just said, because uh, will God always heal us? No. Uh, but wait a minute. Yes, he will. Because we have the hope of King Jesus's return. At Amen. the resurrection in the new heaven and new earth, we will be healed. We will have glorified, resurrected bodies in, in the likeness of Jesus's. 
And uh, we will not experience uh, the pain and hurt and injury that we currently have. We will, uh, we will be made physically whole and uh, we'll no longer have to worry about not having health care. Amen. Amen. And I think that's why James ends his letter with this, on this note of hope. He wants these persecuted Christians. He wants people who have no resources to realize they do have a resource in God the Father, that he's got their back. It is Jesus who says in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? When we are in the midst of suffering, we've got a heavenly Father who loves us, who cares about us, and wants to provide for us, not only now, but in the days to come. His protection plan extends beyond this life to the next, and that's something no human insurance policy can provide. That's why Jesus said in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be with me where I am. You know where I'm going. God promises to provide for these first century Christians, not only in the sweet by and by, but also in the nasty now and now. He made this promise to them. He makes this promise today to you. When we feel like we don't have any options, don't lose hope. Believers can always turn to God and the church for help. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.com. Org. You can also show your support for this show by sharing it on social media and telling your friends. Be sure to listen next Friday, Christmas Day, as we host our first Christmas special. Be sure to join us. <laughs>